We are in Lesson 18, guys, and we're progressing right along with this sec second section of Proverbs from the book of Proverbs, and these are Proverbs, individual Proverbs that Solomon has uh, written, and we're going to progress right on. We're in chapter 12 of Proverbs. If you have your Bible, we're going to look at verse 24, and we're going to get up into uh, chapter 13 today. Notice with me verse 24. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. So here is what Solomon is going to, the point he's trying to make to us. The diligent rise to the top, and the last, or I should say the lazy, sink to the bottom. The diligent rise to the top, and the lazy sink to the bottom. Here's the point that he's making. He's making it with, in reference to, if you are diligent and working hard, you're going to progress in your life. But if you're lazy, how far ahead are you going to get? No, you're not going to get far ahead at all. In fact, really, to be honest with you, if it wasn't for our governmental structure of our helping individuals out who don't do anything, where would they be today? Yeah, I mean, starving. Do you understand? And that's why they did that. It's out of humane reasons. And But I want you to understand something. So there is a principle there. You, you, you're going to get ahead if you work. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get all the way ahead. It doesn't mean you're going to be a millionaire or something. But you're going to be comfortable. You understand you're going to have your needs taken care of as much as you can. But the point is, is that a lazy person, how far ahead are they going to get? No. In fact, in Solomon's time, I want you to understand something, because we've got to look at this verse in context of how it was written. He is in an agrarian culture where there is a king. And the diligent, he said, will rule. Those who strive will, will be in charge. Those who are lazy end up being forced into, notice what the word is, forced labor. Now, does anybody understand what forced labor means? Yeah, slavery. Yeah, and in fact, the only thing that probably you and I could liken it to is every once in a while, you'll see a road crew working, working the side of the road cleaning, and there's a guy there with a big shotgun, you know, and they're all cleaning, and, you know, and, Used to, they call them down south chain gangs. In fact, some states now have chain gangs again. And the whole thing was is that a lazy person will end up being forced into labor. All right, so that you see the diligence aspect there. Look at verse 25. Again, we're going to talk about the issue of speech again. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. So again, talking about the speech. Encouragement will lift the spirits of a man weighed down by fear. Encouragement will lift the spirits of a man weighed down by fear. Let me make a point to you. Far better is it to have someone whose gift is encouragement than to somebody who claims to have the gift of prophecy. Because it will build up a church a whole lot better to have people who are encouraging 
than to have people who just say it like it is. Because remember when people say it like it is, are, what, how do they, what happens when people just say it like it is? Anyone? Very blunt. How, how are they considered a people's feelings? No. And a lot of times people with a prophetic gift or what they think is a prophetic gift, sometimes I think it's an excuse, is because pro- prophecy is the proclamation of truth, biblical truth. The gift of communicating biblical truth. All right? Sometimes I think we've, we've couched that by saying, I have the gift of just saying it like it is. That's not true. But far better is it for you, for others in the church, to have someone who is encouraging. Do you understand? Because that lifts their spirit. That will build them up. Because let's be honest, what kind of a world do we live in? Is it a nice world? Things going really rosy in our community? How's the job situation? Yeah, lousy, depressing. Do I throw stuff at you? Does it bring you down? Is the anxiety level pretty high? Now, when you think about who you are during the week, what kind of a person do you need? Somebody who's going to tell it like it is? Or are you going to need somebody who will lift you up in your spirits? This is the point that Solomon is making it. You know, anxiety will cause a man to be depressed. But what will bring, what will lift their spirits? Encouragement. You know, encouragement. Listen, in fact, you say, well, wait a minute now. Don't people need to be told what is true? Yes. But they need to be told in a loving manner. You see my point. They need to be told in a loving manner. You can tell someone in a loving manner and still come across as an encouragement. Then, quote, just blasting them. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can still come across if you truly have the gift of prophecy and communicate truth in a way that will be loving and communicate something to them. You say, are you sure about that? Yes, I am. And here's how I know. All you've got to do is look at the life of Jesus. I'll give you an example. All of us here know the parable, excuse me, not the parable, but the story of Jesus' confrontation with the Pharisees in John chapter 8 when they brought to him the woman caught in adultery. Everybody remember that? And you remember the Pharisees, we could probably say they had pretty much a gift of prophecy, did they not? Because they said, this woman deserves to die. Now, it's interesting they didn't have the man with them. They caught her in adultery, but they just let that guy go. Maybe it was one of their buddies. Now, notice how Jesus handled it. He dealt with them, and then when it's all over, after that famous saying, he who's without sin, let him cast the first stone. Everybody leaves, so it's just Jesus and the woman there. Here's the illustration I want to talk to you about the issue of proclaiming truth in an encouraging way. He says to the woman, where are your accusers? How does she respond? Anybody remember? Yeah, they've gone. Then notice what Jesus said. He's proclaiming, if anybody had to get the prophecy, Jesus did because he's God. He's proclaiming truth, but notice how he does it. Then neither do I. But then notice what he said. But go and sin no more. He proclaimed truth. He told her he didn't accuse her. He dealt with her in a loving way. He was an encouragement to her, but he also told her, 
You need to change your lifestyle. You see my point? See, sometimes I think, we think in terms of, well, my gift's prophecy, so that just gives me a right to blast you. That's like me saying, do we have any redheads in here? You ever hear redheads? Redheads says, well, I'm redheaded. That just gives me a right to be angry. Or just, you know, you ever heard somebody say that? Well, you know, in Canada when I was there, they said, I'm Dutch. And Dutch are belligerent. That just gives me a right to be, you know. It, that, that's just an excuse for bad behavior. Solomon's saying here is that when you have somebody who's down in heart, it's what? An encouraging word that's going to what? Lift their spirits. Lift their spirits. Lift their spirits. Notice now the issue of association. Verse 26. Boy, you better listen to this one. Listen, boy, wisdom here. The righteous should choose his friends carefully. For the way of the wicked leads them astray. Notice what it says. A righteous man is cautious about friendships, whereas the wicked are not. You listening to me? Choose your friends carefully. Choose your friends carefully, because a righteous man is going to be very selective in who he chooses as a friend, because he understands that the wicked... And when we talk about the wicked, I gotta, we're not talking about axe murderers, we're not talking about rapists, we're talking about people who are not saved in general. Do you understand what I'm saying? An unsaved person, the wicked, are going to lead them astray into what? Into evil. It's the issue of association. You need to be careful of who you associate with. You need to be careful of who you associate with. So you've got to be cautious about your friendships. Now, some of you, I know, you have that propensity that you just want to be friends with everybody. You ever met somebody like that? They just got to be friends with everybody. Everybody's got to be their friend. You know, and that's wonderful. That's a great, great trait to have is to want to befriend everybody. But for that person, you have to, t- you have to kindly go to them and say, look, that's great that you want to befriend everybody, but you also have to be careful who you befriend. You have to be careful because the chances are, you will be influenced by the people you hang around with. I'm just going to be honest with you. You will be influenced by the people you hang around with. That's very true. You're going to be influenced by the people you hang around with. And listen, I'm going to be honest with you. You, oftentimes we think that they will rise to where we're at. Never happens. You always drop to where they're at. Do you understand what I'm saying? You always drop to where they're at. It's not a question of them rising up to where you are. You always drop to where they're at if you're not wise in your choice of friendship. Okay? Now look at diligence again. Verse 27. This is, I'm going to be honest with you. This is something that you're going to see very many times over. Different things. You're going to see speech talked about. You're going to see the issue of diligence talked about, the issue of a lazy man and one who's diligent. You're going to see the issue of associations talked about, who you hang out with and so forth, the choices you make. And so again, we're looking at verse 27, and look at what he says here about the issue of diligence. A lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. Okay, here's the thing. A lazy man... A lazy man does not value what he owns. 
That's the point here. When it talks about he doesn't cook what he took in hunting, he's too lazy even to cook. You know, he, he went hunting and he got a deer. He's too lazy to, to butcher it. He wastes it. He doesn't value what he has. Okay? He doesn't value what he has. And you can see that. There's everyday illustrations of that today. As you interact with people, and, you know, you can see that even if they're given something, you know, it's like, what did you do with that that I gave you two weeks ago? Oh, oh, that? Oh, I'm not sure where it is. And there you see it in a corner in a heap somewhere. You know, they don't value it. That's the point he's trying to make here. But then notice the other point here. Diligence leads to success. Diligence leads to success. But diligence is a man's precious possession. You want to know what your most precious possession is that Solomon is trying to say to you? Is your work ethic. Your work ethic. Parents, grandparents, I'm going to be honest with you. The most wonderful thing that you can teach your children in this day and age, the most wonderful gift that you... Because we're in the gift-giving season, aren't we? But there's a gift that you can give your kids and your grandkids that far outlasts the season. And that is the gift of a work ethic. The gift of a diligent spirit. Because that they will carry with them the rest of their lives. In their formative years, teaching them to be diligent. Do you understand what I'm saying? That will affect their life the rest of their life. And you know what I'm talking about. You've seen it. Some of you have been rounded off now. You've been stomping on this earth long enough now that you have seen kids, maybe they're family members or whatever, from the extended family. And you see one family where they were teaching their kids to be diligent. You saw another family that just took a totally hands-off approach. Then the kids now are adults. And one family, the kids are working hard, doing what they can to achieve in life, and they have a lifestyle. The other family just seems like they're just drifting from one job to another. They can't hold down a job. They're just having problems after problems. Why? Because nothing was taught in their formative years. Nothing was taught in their formative years. See, this is the point that he's trying to tell you. A lazy man doesn't value what he has. But what? Diligence leads to success. That's the most precious possession a person can have. There's a lot of wisdom there, isn't it? It's practical with You see it all around you. See, it's not like some kind of new foreign secret here that I'm, oh, wow, this is some new secret, George. You see it all around you. You watch it all around you all the time. Now look at verse 28, the issue of righteousness. This is the last verse in chapter 12. In the way of righteousness is life. In its pathway, there is no death. Here's what, here's what he's saying. A righteous lifestyle through faith leads to immortality. A righteous lifestyle through faith leads to immortality. Notice I put in there through faith because we recognize it's not through our works of righteousness that we attain salvation, but through our faith in what Jesus has done. Okay? But that righteous lifestyle through faith leads to immortality. There's no death there. Yeah, there may be physical death, but there's no spiritual death. You, know, you, you, keep, you keep moving on. You keep existing on. You, you shed this body. 
And you know what? Can I be honest with you? Let me give you a, a theological point here. We don't want to die. We want to keep existing because we haven't fully grasped what's ahead of us. But I'm going to be honest with you. When death comes and you shed this tabernacle and you receive the new one, you're not going to want the old one back. You're going to realize, why did I want to hang around here? Why? You're not going to want the old one back. You're going to, you're going to, when that new tabernacle, you get that new body. You're not going to want this old one. And you, you say, really? And I, I, I believe this with all my heart. See, when you and I pass from that, when we pass, you know, in Pilgrim's Progress, uh, the illustration there is of a river. When you pass through the river, when death comes, I don't think, I don't, I can't even comprehend the freedom we're going to feel when we get released from this body of sin. When we get released from this body of sin, when immortality comes and we get released from the, no longer having an evil thought, no longer having an evil desire, no longer being, being, uh, ruled by our bodies. Perfection! But it comes through faith. It comes through faith. Something I look forward to. Something I look forward to. Notice something. Verse 1, chapter 13. We're going to talk now about the acceptance of discipline. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to a rebuke. Here's the point. Those who, those who are wise will respond properly to discipline. Those who are wise will respond properly to discipline. So you take a situation. It doesn't even have to be a father-son situation, a parent-child situation. It could be a work situation. So like, for instance, Bruce in his job maybe has to discipline an employee. I'm not saying he's taking them to the woodshed, but maybe he has to deal with an employee because they're not doing right. Some of you, maybe in your work situation or something, you know, where you're disciplining an employee, you can tell the character of that person by how they respond to discipline. Because Solomon says that the one who is wise will what? Respond properly to discipline. But notice what the second part of that verse says. Here's the second part of that verse. A mocker refuses to listen to and profit from a rebuke. New King James refers to the word scoffer, but a mocker is going to refuse to listen and profit from a rebuke. You and I have met people, it doesn't matter how many times you try to deal with them, it just seems like they're, they're, they're concrete up here in their head. And it just bounces off. They just can't seem to grasp it. And they just like mock it. They mock the rebuke. You probably have worked with people like that. Where they were doing wrong, and even though they were dealt with over and over, they just refused to listen. Refused to listen. See, that reflects the character of that person. In fact, let me just stop for a moment. That's a work situation. What do you think that guy's like at home? See, character, what we've done is we've kind of compartmentalized all our lives. We think we're one way at work. We think we're one way at church. And we're one way 
at home and everything. But let me tell you something. You take a guy like that who refuses, like let's say we got a guy that works for Bruce. And he refuses to listen. He keeps making the same dumb mistakes over and over again. And he just, he even just mocks the fact that Bruce and the other guys who are supervisors there are telling him to do something different. That, what do you think that guy's like at home with his family? Yeah. Because it's his character, isn't it? It's his character. It reflects on his whole character. See, a wise man will learn from instruction. A wise man will say, oh man, I'm sorry I messed up there, Bruce. What do I need to do the next time? And, you know, he'll, he'll, and he'll do it. Bruce may have to rebuke him once or twice, but after that he realizes I'm not going to have to tell him again because he's going to grasp what he needs to do here. But a mocker, a mocker will even do this. Why don't you lay off of me, Bruce? You're just pressing right in me hard, man. You know, and he'll, he'll make it Bruce's problem, not his own. You've seen that before, haven't you? A mocker or scoffer will say, it's not my fault, man. You're just riding me. You're just pressing. You're just wanting too much from me, man. You're not even paying me enough. Isn't that what they do? Isn't that what they do, Bruce? Yeah. What am I going to get my raise, man? Yeah. <laughs> so, you see the point there. So, the acceptance of discipline. You see the issue of discipline. How they respond to discipline reflects their character. All right, now we're going to look at a couple, ver- couple more verses here concerning speech. Verse 2, a man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. First of all, let's talk about helpful and harmful words from verse 2 there. Words find their just rewards. Words find their just rewards. This is the point that Solomon is making here. Look at what he says there. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth, and the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. Here he's talking about the product of your words. And the point being that how you speak, you're going to reap the reward of your words. And you and I have met people that every time they open their mouth, they just get this like, insert foot. They just keep getting in trouble every time they open their mouth about something. Every time they open their mouth, insert foot. It's just like they're eating their words all the time, and they're reaping what? The consequences of it. But then you also know that there are other individuals that what? They guard their mouth. They, they, when they speak, they reap the fruit of their mouth because they speak words of encouragement. They know just the right thing to say at the right time. They know when to hold their peace. And so they profit from their mouth. See, words find their just rewards. That's what he's telling us in verse 2 here. Words find their just rewards. See, here's the point. Let's just stop for a moment. What we're going to see through Proverbs is a point here. And here's the point. Words are not meaningless. Words are not meaningless. Sometimes we can just just talk idle talk and just talk stuff or silliness or whatever and, and really think that our words don't mean anything but the words are not meaningless. There is a repercussion for our words. Period. That's why this is why I want you to understand the seriousness of our mouth, of our tongues. That's why when Jesus says later in the Gospels that every idle word will be what? Judged? 
He means it. Because words have meaning. Words have significance. Words reveal what? Yeah. What you're thinking, out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The mouth speaks. It reveals the inner person of who you are. See, that's why now when Solomon talks about speaking, he's talking about a lot of times about controlled speech, about you watching your mouth. Or when he refers to a fool, he says a fool what can't control his mouth. In fact, that brings me to my next point here. Notice now the issue of discretion. A couple things here. Being careful about what one says helps keep him out of trouble. We see that in verse 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. If you are careful about what you say, it will keep you out of trouble. There is a principle here that we need to grasp, and this is the principle. Think before you speak. Sometimes we just let it fly off the cuff without thinking, don't we? And you ever notice that when we just let it fly off the cuff without thinking, that's when we get ourselves in trouble? So, for instance, let's get a little real here. Let's say we have you're having some intense fellowship at home in your relationship with your spouse. Notice I said intense fellowship. Not intimate, but intense fellowship. And usually in those intense moments is when we allow what to take over. We allow our emotions to take over, so then what happens with our speech? Yeah, our, our, it's like our emotions unbridle our mouth. So then we say things that we later on, what? Regret. But guess what? Can you take them back? Can you go to your sweetie and say, hey, I know I threw those words at you. Can I have them back? You know what? She's got them stored somewhere. She'll bring them out 15 years later, you know what I'm saying? She's got them in a lockbox for the right moment. In fact, you know, 15 years later, she brings them out and you're like, I didn't say that. Oh, yeah, you did. See, being careful about what one says helps keep him out of trouble. Guys, mark it down. Being careful about what one says. Ladies, mark it down. That's true for all of us. Not just our marriage relationships, but anything else. Any other relationship. Okay? Now, there's another point here. Look at the last part of that verse. Verse 3. But he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Speaking hastily and thoughtlessly brings trouble to the one speaking and to others. When you and I just blah, just blurt it out there, it brings trouble, but it doesn't. It brings destruction, and the word destruction there—it's almost like a war zone type thing. You ever notice? I mean, yeah, we could talk about precision bombing, and in our culture today, we are so ignorant that we think we can have a war without hurting other people. Because when destruction happens, destruction affects who? Everyone. And so, when someone speaks thoughtlessly. They're not just harming themselves, they're harming who? Everyone around them. That's the point that Solomon's making. It's like dropping an A-bomb. 
It's like dropping a nuclear bomb and watching the mushroom cloud go up. There's going to be bodies laying everywhere or vaporized. Do you understand what I'm saying? When words come out, they have destructive... If you don't think about what you're saying, if you speak hastily and thoughtlessly, it's going to bring trouble to the one who speaks and it's going to bring trouble to everyone else. That's the point Solomon is making. Great point. Now, let's get back to verse 4. We're going to talk about diligence again. Verse 4. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Here's the point. The fulfillment of dreams demands diligence. You ever heard of somebody being referred to as a dreamer? Oh, he's just a dreamer. What do, is that usually a positive statement or is that a negative statement about someone? Yeah, it's usually a negative statement because why? What is it about that guy? All he does is what? Dreams. That's not something. But does he ever achieve? No. Why? Because he, he dreams about what he wants, but he never has. Now, the guy who works, what? Attains what he desires. Why? He has something to buy it with. See, that's the point Solomon's making. See, here's the thing. Again, I made this point last week. There's no such thing as a free lunch. No such thing as a free lunch. That's even true. Can I be honest with you? Let's talk about the lottery for a moment. The state is so big on the lottery. State, and a lot of states have really have bought into the gambling addiction. They're addicted to gambling because they think of it as night, a lot of money coming in. But here's the facts. You want to know what the facts are? That, yes, they're making a lot of money from the lottery. But you want to know something? They're paying out more than they're making in helping out families who are devastated by gambling. You understand what I'm saying? They're paying out more in more benefits, more food, more health insurance, more whatever. And here's the other one that, that, that you don't hear about. The gambling addicts and their health and helping them overcome their addictions, they're paying out more than they're bringing in. That's the dirty little secret that nobody wants to be telling about gambling. To talk about gambling. And see, that's the point. There's, you can't, there's no such thing as a free ride. There's no such thing as a free ride. No such thing as a free ride. So diligence... Brings about the fulfillment of dreams. Now look again, we're going to talk about conduct now, verse 5. A righteous man hates lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and comes to shame. Here's what it says. The righteous hate falsehood, whereas the wicked, preferring it, brings shame. The righteous hate falsehood, whereas the wicked preferring it, brings shame. A righteous person is, going to, is not going to live his life with lies. He hates it. He hates falsehood. But with a wicked person, they prefer lies. I'll never forget. 
19, it was a 1996, 1996 election. I'm watching the election results. I forget now if it was CBS or ABC. Probably was ABC. I think it was ABC. And they're doing an exit poll because it's very obvious that Bill Clinton's going to win. And so they're doing an exit poll. And here's the question that they asked people coming out of the election box. Now, whether you like Bill Clinton, that's not the point. I'm going to talk about the election poll. And they asked people... Does it matter to you that he's a liar? Because he was. And 75% of Americans who voted, 75% of Americans, see, what I'm going to talk about is a reflection of Americans, said it didn't matter to them that he lied, just so he did the job. See, that's where we are in our culture today. We are in a culture that prefers what? Falsehood. It's almost assumed that you're going to lie. You ever notice that? It's just, nobody trusts anybody anymore. Have you noticed that? Nobody trusts anybody anymore. In fact, we make excuses now that there are certain forms of lies that are okay, like little white lies. Just little bitty ones are okay. Deception is okay. But what Solomon is saying is that it brings shame. It brings shame to our culture, does it not? It brings shame to our culture. Look now at verse 6. Righteousness guards him whose way is blameless, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. Here's the thing. Security in life resides with righteousness. You want to be secure in your life? Then live a righteous life. You want insecurity? Then start doing what's wrong. That's a pretty insecure life, isn't it? You start doing what's wrong, you're insecure. You're insecure. Look at verse 7 now, the issue of honesty. There is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing. And one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. Here's the point of the issue of honesty. Some who are poor pretend to be rich, whereas some who are rich pretend... It should be uh, some who are rich pretend to be... Poor. Okay? The issue of honesty. There is one who makes himself poor, but yet has great riches. They're not flaunting it. Okay? Now let's go on. The issue of wealth. Verse 8. The ransom of a man's life, verse 8, is his riches, but the poor does not hear rebuke. Here's the thing. There are disadvantages to having possessions. The ransom of a man's life is his riches. You ever notice, you know, there's a lot of kidnapping going on in, the, in, in South America and Central America these days, in Colombia. A lot of kidnapping. Have you noticed that they're not robbing poor, they're not kidnapping poor people? Why do you think they don't kidnap poor people? They ain't got no money. You're not going to get anything out of them. But if you always notice, they always kidnap a businessman or an Anglo, somebody from America. Why? Why are they, why are they doing that? Because in their mind, they think they're going to get what? Money. Money. So this is the point that he's making. There are disadvantages to having possessions. 
fact, here's another one. The more stuff you have, the more likely you might have something what? Stolen. Okay? All right, look, your prospect for life. Verse 9. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. Here's the point. The righteous can anticipate a long and prosperous life. The righteous can anticipate a long and prosperous life. In fact, here's the point. The righteous can anticipate a long and prosperous life that goes beyond here. That goes on for eternity. But the wicked, how long do they have? Only now. Do they have a future in eternity? They have a future in eternity in hell, but they don't have an eternity in paradise, in heaven. Look now at verse 10, the issue of the advice. Pride comes... By pride comes nothing but strife, but with, well, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Those who are wise listen to advice rather than argue out of stubborn pride. You ever notice when you try to give somebody some advice and they just blow you off, their pride takes over? What usually happens with that person? They usually end up in problems, don't they? But a person who listens to advice, there's wisdom there. There's wisdom there. Let's go on. Got a couple more, couple more verses here. Verse 11. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Here we are. Money gained illegitimately does not last. Money gained illegitimately does not last. Doesn't last. They just spend it. It's gone. Then go on. But steady and wise investment produces prosperity. Steady and wise investment produces prosperity. And then finally look at verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Here's the thing. It is good for a person to have hope. But unfulfilled hope brings disappointment. Unfulfilled hope brings disappointment. Okay, let's close our time in prayer.